Um, If you've got a Bible anywhere near you, then it would be great if you could turn to Mark chapter 5. It's on page 1007 in my Bible, but that may well not help you. Um, But why not try and find that? Um, I'm going to read a story um, about Jesus, which I hope will be a huge encouragement to us. So Mark chapter 5, and the story starts in verse 21. Um, Let me read that, and then we're going to skip a bit and then pick up the story again. So verse 21 says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come. And put your hands on her, so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. What then happens on the way is that Jesus has an encounter with uh, someone else and heals someone else on the way. But we'll pick up the story in verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Well, why don't we bow our heads and pray. Let's ask that God would help us as we look at his word. Father, please, would you help us to understand in these days of confusion and chaos, we pray that you'd help us to see something that will give us hope and truth to ground our lives on. Lord, please, would we see Jesus. In his name we ask it. Amen. Well, we're going to talk for the next um, little while about fear, and about feeling afraid. And my guess is that all of us know what it is to feel afraid. And it may be that in recent days, you've begun to feel afraid. As things have unfolded and as this virus has become more and more all over the world, we find ourselves beginning to worry about what the future might hold. We, be, we begin to fear. And interestingly, in the story that we just read, Jesus met a man who was at that very point of fear. A, a man whose daughter was sick and then died. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. How can it be possible to not be afraid particularly when confronted with sickness and death. How is it possible? That's what I want us to try and think through. Because reality is that none of us really want to live in the place of fear. 
If this is a bucket over here called fear, and this is a bucket called no fear, we would much rather be in the no fear bucket than the fear bucket. I'm not talking at the moment about those who love the adrenaline rush of extreme sports. That's another sermon for another time. I'm talking about circumstances and security. We like to feel safe where there is no fear. But reality is often we find ourselves in the bucket of fear. And when we're there, what we long for is to be able to get back to the place of no fear. Well, I want you to picture a scene with me. Picture the scene, you, you, you've had a beautiful day on the beach. Uh, I realise that's quite a long way for some of us in our thinking, but just picture it with me. You, you've been on the beach for the morning, you've dug a sandcastle, you've played a bit of that beach ball game that you never play anywhere other than the beach. You've eaten all your food by 11 o'clock, you've played some cricket, and really there's only very one thing really left to do, which is to go and investigate the water. But you're not really up for swimming. Okay, you're not really ready for swimming action. And here enters the airbed. This is what airbeds were made for. This is their reason to be. And so you collect your airbed, a book and a can of Coke, and you go down to the water and you lay yourself down on the water. And it is so relaxing. You're reading your book, you're drinking your Coke, the sun is beaming down and you just feel so chilled. You can probably tell where this story's heading. Because as you lie on the airbed and you're oblivious to all that's going on and you are super relaxed, what you don't realise is that you are drifting, drifting, drifting out to sea. And let's play the story forward. Let's say you're particularly relaxed and perhaps you even drift off to sleep and you find yourself an hour or two later right out to sea, but you're still oblivious to the fact. You're still very relaxed. Now, at that point, you feel no fear, but you are in real danger. Now, in your little airbed world, suddenly you wake up, you look around, and you suddenly discover that someone's stolen the beach, everyone's disappeared, and then fear takes hold. And as soon as fear takes hold, it quickly escalates. Was was that a shark swimming by You begin to imagine the sea monsters that are underneath your little airbed. What was so peaceful and idyllic where there was no fear has now been shattered as danger has now filled your horizon. And there's no way of going back now to no fear, is there? You can't suddenly go, I'll tell you what, I'll just lie back and read my book again. No, now you're afraid. You see, reality is, to be in the state of no fear, to be in a bucket of no fear, when there is something to fear, is a terrible place to be. And that is really the first big thing I want us to see this afternoon. I I realise that this may sound fairly blunt, and I realise this may sound fairly unsettling, but you've got to hang in there, there's good news coming. But you need to understand my first point, and that is, there is something to fear. There really is something that we should fear. Because one way of getting back to the no-fear bucket is to deny the danger. It's to say, ah, there's no danger, we're all perfectly safe, it's okay. Hundreds of years ago, God made exactly this point to his people Israel. They had drifted far, far away from him, they had ignored him, 
Time and time again, they drifted far off and he was rightly angry with them. They were in serious danger. But the prophets of the day, the priests, the religious leaders of the day, they kept telling the people they're okay, don't worry about it, you're fine. It's all right. There's no danger. Here's what God says about them. God says this in Jeremiah. They dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Here's the problem. They're saying that there's no danger, but there is danger. They say there's nothing to fear, but there is something to fear. And God says, don't be like that. If a doctor tells you that it's not that serious, and it is serious, they're a rubbish doctor. Yes, they might make you feel better and they might make you feel good and they might feel good because they've given you some good news. They're not a good doctor. And if a doctor gives you bad news, you don't say to them, oh, you're being very mean to me. Actually, if there is something to fear, we need to know it. Now, I think what is happening in our world at the moment is very significant. This is a moment in history. We are living through something of historical significance. We're in the middle of it right now. I read this week that in a, you know, 20 years' time, we're living in a GCSE exam history question. That's what we're living in right now. Which had a bigger impact on the British economy, coronavirus or Brexit, that sort of thing. Now, we must not bury our heads and fail to see this moment. We must let this moment teach us. We need to be good listeners. We need to be good observers of what is going on around us. We need to look and see the reality of what's happening. Now, it's tempting when we feel afraid to want to get back to the no fear bucket. So people often say, oh, I just can't wait till everything's back to normal. I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to keep saying, oh, I just want it to be normal again. No, we need to engage with the fear that we feel. We need to engage with this moment. We need to let it impact us. There is a problem in our world and it's being exposed right now. We've got to listen. Jesus said to the generation of his day, how is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? We've got to be good interpreters of the time in which we live. What does it all mean? What's going on? Perhaps this is the moment that we need. This is the moment where we need to wake up from our slumber and look around our airbed and see how far we've drifted. We've been drifting as a culture. We've been very comfortable We have felt very safe for many years. But this crisis makes us look harder. I I think there's two things that are exposed. I mean, there's many things, but here's two things that I think are exposed by all that's happening at the moment. The first is that we don't know. There's a whole load of stuff that we're suddenly realising that we don't know what to do. We crave certainty, Have you noticed that? Just take a look at your diary. Our diaries are still full of all the appointments that we'd made for the coming months, right? 
parties that we were going to go to, appointments that we'd made. I keep getting alerts on my phone for things that I'm supposed to be at, but they've been wiped out now. We felt this really keenly as a family, because my eldest son was due to do exams. For the last year, we've been saying to him, your GCSEs are coming, you need to work hard, you need to revise. We sort of cancelled Christmas, we cancelled holidays, you, you need to revise, you've got to work hard, and then suddenly, in a week, it's gone. No exams. We struggle with that. Because things are happening around us and we don't know what's going on. We have an uncertain future. Who knows when the kids will go back to school? Who knows when we'll be able to meet again as a church family? Who knows when this will all be over? Who knows if a virus will be, a vaccine will be found? Who knows how many people will die? Who knows? We crave leadership. We want someone who will answer our questions. Experts become really important to us. We put them behind podiums. Experts and politicians, they stand behind their podiums and they try to give us answers and then we get frustrated because they're so vague and then they say one thing one day and then they change their mind the next day and we get frustrated with it all, but they're doing their best. They don't know. We don't know. This is tough for us. Because we've drifted out to sea on our airbed on the comfortable assumption that we basically know what we're doing as human beings. We've got so much knowledge at our fingertips. With a few swipes, we can know virtually anything. We're bordering on omniscience, all-knowingness. And it lulls us into a false sense of security. It's okay. We know. Human beings know. We know how to fix this. We've essentially elevated humanity to the place of God. We can sort this. And knowledge makes us feel safe. The unknown always feels dangerous. Do you know those games when you have to put your hand into a box and there's something in it that you don't know what it is? You you always feel a bit nervous putting your hand in because the unknown makes us feel unsafe. Well, we are now facing a massive unknown. We're being shown that our knowledge has limits. We are not omniscient. And rather than pretending all is well, we need to listen to our present time. We need to see what is going on and we need to humble ourselves. We have overstepped our boundaries as humanity. We play God by acting as if we know all things. And then when we're exposed, we feel afraid. A lot of our fear is because we're being exposed that we don't know as much as we thought we knew. Just like a small child who dresses up as Superman and then goes around lasering things with his eyes and he runs around the playground lasering anyone who comes near him and he feels brave and he feels strong. But if a real baddie comes into the playground and he says, don't worry, I'll laser him with my eyes, he'll suddenly be exposed. That's where we are. We thought we could manage anything. We need to listen to the times. We do not know. And also we do not have. You see, we feel afraid because we do not know stuff and we feel afraid because we do not have stuff. 
One of the big cultural things that has happened in response to coronavirus has been stockpiling. As people look back on this event, they'll say, actually what happened was culture went mad and everyone stockpiled stuff. Why? What is that? What is it with stockpiling, particularly toilet roll? What is going on? It's the basic human response that safety is found in having what I need. I can get in the no-fear bucket if I just get as much stuff as I can. As long as I can provide for my family and my friends, I feel safe. So we store stuff up. And if we have a good crop, then we tear down our barns and we build bigger barns to store all of our stuff. And we store and we store and we store because it makes us feel safe. And we play God by assuming that we can provide all that we need. Like a little hamster, we fill up our trolleys of stuff and we push them around the supermarket and then we drive home feeling a little bit safer because we've got plenty of toilet roll. You've got to see the moment. Do you see the moment? Do you see what's happening right now? We're being shown that humanity does not have what it needs. It is a frightening thing to run out. It is frightening to go to the supermarket and find the shelves are empty. That's scary. You see, we never have empty shelves. And we never have empty bellies. And we never have empty cupboards. We can't identify with old Mother Hubbard who went to her cupboard and found that her cupboard was bare. Our cupboards are never bare. We have so much stuff, we fill everything up because empty things terrify us. Because when we're empty, we've got nothing. There's something to fear. We don't have what it takes to keep ourselves alive. That's what we're being shown in this moment. We're being shown that we don't know everything and that we don't have everything. Now at some point, the supply chains will be re-established, the shelves will be full again, you can go and buy whatever you want again, and this moment will have passed. But will you have learned anything? Will we have listened to this moment? Will you have listened to what's going on in our world right now? The world is this way because we are playing at being God. We think we're omniscient and we think that we are all providing. But we've drifted on our airbed so far from the God who made us. We play God. We take his place and he's angry. There is something to fear. Now that all may sound fairly depressing and fairly heavy, but you've got to understand it because I don't want to dress the wound and say it's not serious. I don't want to say peace, peace, when there is no peace. I want us to face up to the reality of what we're being shown. We are not what we think we are. We may well find a vaccine. We may well fill our shelves again. But will we have learned from this moment? So there is something to fear. But if that was the end of this talk, that would be the most rubbish talk in the world. What a ridiculous and miserable thing. Well, the good news is there's a second point. There is something to fear, but secondly, there is someone to trust. The way to move from fear to no fear is not to try and pretend to be God, but to meet God himself. 
That's how you move. Let's go back to our story. Let's go back to the man whose little daughter had died. He had absolutely been brought to the end of himself. He did not know what to do. He did not have the resources to bring his little precious little girl back to life again. He did not know what to do, so he was terrified. And he came pleading with Jesus. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus met that father at his most afraid moment. The man couldn't play at being God. But those five words that Jesus spoke, they're the secret. They're the antidote to fear. Don't be afraid. Just believe. The way out of our fear is not more knowledge. The way out of our fear is not more stuff not more toilet roll, not more stuff from the supermarket. The way out of our fear is faith, believing in Jesus. Jesus says, believe. And Jesus can say those things because he's not just a man. He's not a man who's playing at being God. He is the man who is God. And as God, he is the one who has what we need. So as you come to Jesus, this is what you say. I don't know, but I know the one who knows. That's where no fear is found. Not in knowledge, but in knowing the one who knows. Over and over again in the Bible, we're told that God is the one who knows all things. So in Isaiah um, chapter 46, God says this to his people. Isaiah 46 and verse 10. He says to them, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. (laughs) Here is God, he knows He knows the past, he knows the present, he knows the future. He knows exactly how many people will die from coronavirus. He knows when it will end, he knows when my kids will be back at school. He knows everything. He knows the tiniest details of all of our lives because he's God. And our security, our safety is not found in knowing it ourselves, but knowing the one who knows it. I remember finding this strangely comforting when I was doing some chemistry exams. It was my finals. I really was struggling quite a lot with chemistry by this point. And there was a lot that I did not know. And one day I was reading the Bible and um, it suddenly dawned on me that God knew the answer to every single question in my chemistry exams. And I found that comforting at the time. It didn't help with my grade, but it helped me to see that God is God and I'm not. I know the one who knows. And so as Jesus walks with this man to his house, Jesus isn't freaking out. Jesus isn't thinking to himself, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this? Jesus knows. He walks with this man with absolute confidence because he knows what he's doing. When they get to the house and they see the crowd and the crowd are all crying, Jesus doesn't freak out and go, oh man, this is slightly awkward. Instead, Jesus says these ridiculously bold things. The child is not dead but asleep. 
How can Jesus say that? Because he's the one who knows. He knows even death itself. He knows. So, faith is the root out of fear. Knowing the one who knows. And as we know the one who knows, we then discover him to be the one who has. He has all that we could ever need. Jesus never finds himself to be empty. Jesus never goes to the cupboard and finds that he doesn't have enough. Jesus is the one who has all power because he is God. And Jesus gives us a little glimpse of that in this story. After he'd sent everybody away, he just went in with the father and mother and his disciples. He took the little girl by the hand and said, Talitha Kum, little girl, get up. And as simply as waking someone from sleep, Jesus raises this girl to life. And in that moment, the man's fear disappears. Because he knows the one who has the power. Jesus gives the little girl back to her parents and tells them to give her something to eat. And what we're being shown here is a tiny little glimpse of this supreme and absolute power that Jesus has over all things. He has the power that we do not have. He has the resources that we do not have. And when we find our shelves empty, and when we find our cupboard empty, and when we find our energy is gone, and our resources are gone, and our wisdom is gone, and our strength is gone, it forces us to lift our eyes and say, where am I going to find help from? And Jesus says, I have power. Don't be afraid, just believe. He came into the world for this purpose. We as a society, as a culture, have drifted far away from God. We do not know and we do not have what we need. And in many ways, we'd be absolute, God would be absolutely just just to let us drift away. It would be absolutely fair of God to say, you've chosen to drift away from me, you've chosen to reject me, then you're on your own. You wanted to play God? Well, you play God. But God's far too loving. He loves this world too much. And so he sent his son into this world so that he could bring us back, to wake us up, so that we could know the one who knows and know the one who has all power, so that we could no longer fear but live in a world with no fear. And that cost Jesus. It cost Jesus his life. Jesus went to a cross. He took on death itself. Death, the greatest enemy that we face, the thing that brings us the greatest fear, the thing that we do not know and we do not have the power to overcome. Jesus went to death on our behalf. He fought death for us. He stood in our place. He died our death. And then three days later, he smashed his way out of the tomb. He defeated death because he does have power. He does have knowledge. He's the one who raised, was raised from the dead. And because he was raised, he now says to you, don't be afraid, just believe. 
So if you find yourself being afraid, if you find fear creeping into your life in these days, if you find yourself anxious because you don't know what's going on, you don't know how long it will last, this is what you need to say. I don't know, but I know the one who knows. I know the one who knows. And when you find yourself empty of resources and when you find yourself, your shelves empty and the shelves of your heart empty, you don't have to find the resources yourself. Instead you say, I don't have, but I know the one who has. And he says, don't be afraid, just believe. And he will take us safely through coronavirus. He will take us safely through death itself. He doesn't promise that we won't suffer. He doesn't promise that it won't be hard, but he does promise that we'll be safe. And he will take us through death itself to life forever beyond with him where there will be no more fear. How do you move from fear to no fear? Not by denying the danger. Not by pretending everything's okay. Not by fixing the problem. Not by filling your shelves. But by believing in the one, Jesus, who came and died and rose again so that we could have life. You feel afraid? Don't be afraid, Jesus says. Just believe. Believe in me. I pray that in these days these things would be true for us and that when fear comes creeping near, we would turn to look at Jesus.